Welcome to the Lovability Podcast. My name is Jennifer Stiers, and I'm here to talk love, relationships, sex, marriage, and everything in between. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Lovability Show. Happy Friday. Uh, I am Jennifer Styers, your host. Um, so I am super excited today. Uh, today was kind of a really cool surprise for me. So uh, I happened to notice online an article uh, that uh, that was written uh, by when actually it's everywhere USA today all all the all the newspapers and uh, news are writing about stability is the new sexy and all the new findings from uh, the singles in America survey from match and uh, and so I messaged my girl at match and I said I want to talk about this what Helen is talking about in these stories is amazing this is what I want to talk about she said how would you like to have Helen talk with you it's like, yes, we would love to have Ellen. She's amazing. Uh, so um, I am joined today by Helen Fisher. Uh, she is uh, the chief scientist over at Match. She's been for, gosh, I don't know how many years, so many years she can tell us. And um, she's also uh, the chief uh, research uh, person over at, what is it, chief research... Uh, help me out. Uh, the Kinsey Institute. Ki uh, Chief She's, Research what at the Kinsey Institute? Uh, Chief uh, Research Advisor. Advisor at the Kinsey Institute. Or Let senior me tell you research seller. You have the credentials. Six best sell six bestsellers. Um, she's credentials out the yin yang. Um, she's down to earth. She's a walking encyclopedia. Um, I met her at match.com. I know she, now she's going to be all embarrassed. Um, but I met her at match, uh, for our match summit many years ago for relationship experts and matchmakers that we went to. And, uh, she spoke and I'm going to tell you something. It's unbelievable. I mean, I could sit and lock myself in, in her New York apartment with her and just let just talk love and relationships because I know she loves it as much as I do, just for days because she has so much information. And um, Helen, I want to say hello to you first. So hi, um, welcome to the Lovability Show. Thank you. I'm delighted to be with you. Uh, well, Helen, uh, Helen has so much information. And I have to say, Helen, some years, I don't want you to give us this information because sometimes uh, Singles in America survey isn't what I want to hear <laughs> when it comes to relationships. But this particular study this year, I mean, I've been saying since, since the pandemic, we were watching, you know, relationships and love and online dating. It was very flimsy. It was very superficial. I mean, it was, it, people were playing the field. It was all that stuff that, to me, doesn't promote love and relationships. And I do have a very conservative audience that want to find love. Um, and 
when I saw, when after the pandemic, I saw people more becoming more intentional. That was my word. Like people are more intentional, especially men. That's what I kept seeing where men were on fire for relationships where I had never seen before and still are. And I think that this survey says a lot about that. So, uh, so, uh, Helen also is, like I said, at the Kinsey Institute, and she's going to talk a lot, so I'm just going to finish my intro here. You know, um, when I was in college, Helen, that we were, we were, I was studying in my psychology of sex classes, the Kinsey Institute. I mean, it's, it's like the, it's, it's the place to go for all the great research, and I'm a research junkie myself. I mean, I take that stuff in, and you guys do the best work there. I mean, it's, it's validated. I mean, everything is, everything's done right there. So I appreciate what you're doing and how you're doing it. Uh, and um, so this is an honor for us to have you. So, uh, so let's, let's, uh, let's see if we can um, start off by saying, um, what, what was your takeaway from this year's research? What was the thing that you loved the most that you heard or found through all the research that you did? Oh, there was so much, Jennifer. It was really incredible. But uh, um, maybe the single most important thing is that everybody's looking for love. Everybody is looking for love now. It is such a... I've never used the word historic before, um, but this time I can. An enormous jump in the number of, of men and women who are profoundly looking to settle down, get married, settle down uh, together. You know, the bad boy is out, the bad girl is out, and and instead, uh, you know, I'm calling it uh, post-traumatic growth. Uh, <laughs> I love it. Really, yeah, they're growing up. They've grown up. They have spent a year and a half locked down. They've had a good deal of thought about who they are and what they want. And and uh, and men are leading the way. Men are leading the way and millennials are leading the way. The young are leading the way. In fact, you know, when I asked the question, you know, would you, um, would you like to have a partner who uh, wants to get married? Well, two years ago, about 58% uh, of singles said yes, they did. Now, 76%, uh, an 18% I have jump. chills Enormous everywhere. This kind of stuff, you know. Yeah. And men are leading the way. I mean, um, two years ago, 55% of men uh, wanted a partner who wanted to get married. And uh, now it's um, 77%. So it's huge. And uh, the young are leading the way. Actually, they're going to lead us, I think, towards a couple dec decades of relative family stability. I'm, I, I literally have little baby tears in my eyes. I'm just telling you, I really do. This is how much I love love and how much I love that this shift is happening. And I felt it here in Dallas, Texas. And I love that the research is backing this up. I mean, I really have the chills all over my body. It's, it is, it's so wonderful to hear that our millennials are yeah. getting on board because that was, they, they weren't buying houses. They weren't getting married. There was like zero commitment on their end from what we were seeing years ago. And now to see the shift there. Yeah. And well, basically they're more comfortable. They were always careful. It's an extremely uh, careful uh, uh, group of people, the young today. I mean, much more careful than in my generation. You know, in my day, people actually got married in their early 20s. And now they're getting married in their late 20s or early 30s. I mean, I call it slow love. 
and indeed that's um, what it is. They're very careful. They're trying to put their whole lives together before they wed. I mean, you know, 40% of singles today want self-acceptance <laughs> before they get into a relationship. I mean, that's pretty noble. That's and awesome. they're learning much more about themselves. They're, they, they're trying a lot of people out, but they're getting rid of what they don't want. You know, they brought in this whole term to find the relationship. Well, in my day, there was no way that after a couple of months you would talk to somebody about defining the relationship. Um, these days, uh, they want to know what's going on. and They want honesty. They want transparency. They want somebody who's full, fully employed. Uh, they want somebody who's financially stable. They care less about looks uh, than, they, uh, than they used to. And what we found in this year's Single in America study, I mean, a huge leap forward in wanting somebody who... Um, uh, has um, uh, cares for their mental health, uh, cares for their physical health, um, uh, and uh, cares for their career. So it's a very serious generation. Might not look it with all of their hooking up, but even that hooking up doesn't last long. You know, they're trying people out, but uh, but they get rid of what they don't want, and down the road they're going to make very solid partnerships. I love that. I just, I absolutely, it just, it thrills me beyond belief. And, um, you know, one of the things um, that you had said, and it was years ago that we had, when we were at match and we were talking about um, sleep, sex on the first date. And I remember you, I'm like, oh, don't do that. And, uh, cause, you know, I have all these reasons not to. And you're like, oh no, that's what people are doing. It helps them get to know each other and they're bonding that way and I was like oh anyway so I'm really glad to hear that sweet <laughs> the other well, I'm not advocating it but I the know. bottom line is we finally live in a in a society where you know I mean singles today know how to not get pregnant they know how to not get diseases they don't have to work the walk the walk of shame I mean they're basically I think using sex as a sex interview uh, just taking a look at, you know, trying somebody out. I mean, you learn a lot between the sheets. I'm, as I say, I'm not advocating it, but you know, learn a lot between the sheets. I mean, is the person kind? Uh, are, can they listen? Um, you know, are they, are they willing to be cooperative and, and friendly and, and understanding? So I think a lot of them are, now, by the way, I mean, singles today are far less interested in that one night stand. I mean, I love that. Uh, yeah. One of the things that we found was, uh, you know, more singles, 73% of singles, we found this in our singles in America study with match 73% of singles have been vaccinated. Uh, that's a good deal more than the general population. And 58% of singles will not have sex with somebody who's not vaxxed. Uh, over 50% will not start a romance with somebody who's not vaxxed. 52% uh, won't go out on a first date with somebody who's not vaxxed. And 48% believe people who are not vaccinated are self-centered. And, you know, so one of the things I say, you know, get that vaccination uh, certificate. It's your passport to romance. And it is. These are deadly, it's a bad word. Uh, they are extremely um, uh, responsible. And they want to get this vaccination not only to protect themselves, but they're advertising. I not only care about me, but I care about everybody. I'm a good citizen. So uh, uh, it's a very responsible. Was that amongst uh, the millennials, Helen? Is that that, that statistic about um, the vaccination stuff? Is that millennials or is that everybody? Is that all across the board? singles, okay. yeah. And, you know, just for your audience, you know, I mean, this annual Singles in America study 
Uh, we cook up about 200 questions. Myself, Justin Garcia, director of the Kinsey Institute, uh, Amy Kennedy at Match and others. And um, we don't poll the Match members. This is a national representative sample of singles based on the US census. So um, it's real science. And we cook up the 200 questions, scientifically based questions. and and send them out. And, you know, I mean, we've got the right number of Blacks, Whites, Asians, Latino, gay, straight, rural, suburban, urban, every part of the country, every ethnic, et cetera. So, uh, um, and, and singles across the board are more careful about getting vaxxed, really careful now about who they go out with. You know, we were expecting the slutty summer. In fact, I got a lot of people from the press saying, oh, we're going to have a slutty summer. Everybody's going to you know, let loose and, you know, and, you know, be like rabbits. Far from it. Yeah. <laughs> we really, uh, instead, we really um, are trimmed back uh, um, looking for what we want. Yeah, as a matchmaker, I was surprised also how slow everybody were, was moving, getting back out there, because I had to wait on my clients to be ready. And everybody was at such a different pace after after lockdown, you know, as to when they were truly ready to, number one, get out there and date again, get comfortable being close to somebody, even just sitting across a table for them without, without a mask, um, possibly kissing them, you know, anything intimate. So it just all moved and it's still moving slowly. I, I think that what a blessing for relationships. I mean, you think of what a horrible thing we've been through with the pandemic, but what a blessing it was to bring us back to to what it, it really needs, the, some of the simple things, some of the foundational things, back to love instead yeah. of all this stuff, whatever was happening. You know what I mean? A absolutely. I mean, this long pre-commitment stage where they are really uh, looking for something serious now. Yeah. And, uh, uh, and more power to them. I think they've always been looking for something serious, but I think that they felt that they've had enough time. They want to get their career together. Etc. Now, after a year and a half of looking around and seeing that what they've got, and yeah, what they have, <laughs> yeah, you know, beginning to, they're really uh, much more serious about it. And what's interesting is, you know, not only they're caring for their mental and physical health, but they actually report that they're better at relaxing now. Um, they've got more self-confidence, which I think is quite remarkable. Wow. Um, they have gotten more sleep. Well, okay, what are you going to do in a pandemic? Uh, they're better at unplugging from social media. I don't know why, but my guess is that we do know that they've picked up more hobbies. Um, and um, they're much better at managing their money and their time. So they're not only looking for the right thing, but they're putting themselves together in extremely healthy ways. I mean, you know, we've all struggled with this pandemic. I mean, nobody's really uh, had much of a good time. But the bottom line is there has been this strange little perk, which is courtship. We're oh, growing it's... up post-traumatic growth. It's really bringing tears to my eyes. I'm not kidding. It makes me so happy to hear all of this. Um, so Jim says, do they themselves generally live up to the expectations they have for others? Jim, I think she just answered that, uh, that they have they took the time. People were taking the time to get themselves together uh, and have been taking that time to get themselves together. So they're more suitable partners uh, and they're expecting, I think there's that expectation too, their standards have increased. They're stepping up to the 
plate, and they want others to be at that same standard. Now, interestingly enough, you were talking about that, Helen, about some of the, I don't want to say expectations, but some of the things they wanted in a partner. Um, but here's what, what we had. 84% uh, uh, want someone they can trust and confide in. 84% can communicate their wants and needs. 83 open-minded and accept differences. 83 want someone that can make them laugh. 83 is emotionally mature. 82 comfortable with their own sexuality. Interesting one. 80% uh, has a life of their own. 79% uh, confident and self-assured what they want in a long-term partner. Those are some well-thought-out answers. They're, they yes, have some depth to them. I love right. it. And they're way, and 78% and, and um, are interested in somebody who, uh, you know, who's physically attractive to them. That's a lot less. Oh, I missed <laughs> you know, that one. We've been doing for 11 years and always uh, somebody wanting somebody who's physically attractive is in the top five and it's always uh, uh, people say over 90% of people say that that's one of the top five uh, things now it's only 78 I mean it's plummeted by by 12 points I mean that's good for enormous. you good for you people this is excellent um so let so, so there's a whole I have pages of this study and and Helen is the one to to talk to each of these things so leveling the play, playing field singles are thinking more about the importance of a of a partner's financial stability the desire for a partner with an income at least equal to their own rose almost 20 percent from 2019 to 2021 70 to 86 percent I think you said and desire for a similar level of education went from 79 to 89 percent in 2021 a desire for a partner with a successful career increased from five percent from 85 percent two years ago to 90 percent today so stability is the new sexy there it is yeah there there it is and i think it's going to stay i mean people people wonder well is this the end i mean as soon as we are we going to just relapse i don't think we are I don't think we're going to forget this pandemic for a good century. I mean, not in the four million years of human evolution have have we shut down the planet. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's a that's a big deal, and it affected everybody. No matter who you were, you were affected by. It. You couldn't turn on the TV. You couldn't walk out the door. Uh, you know, you couldn't talk to a friend or a family member without knowing about this whole issue. Wearing that mask, social distancing, the whole deal. So much of life crumbled away, yeah. and it gave us this. Uh, I hate to say it, but opportunity to be with ourselves. And sure enough, it has changed humanity. And at the end of the day, that's really what it's about. And I think that's that's where we were losing people is people were choosing the wrong partners because they didn't know who they were and they didn't know what they wanted. And this has forced everybody to look at that. And there's no going back. I mean, once you have that knowledge, I know there was a, an amazing Carl Jung quote from years ago that said something about once you have that knowledge, you can never go backwards. Um, yeah. It's yours now and you have, to, you, know, you have to do something. So can we go back? I, I hope we never go back. I hope we move yeah. forward from this with a more enlightened um, person, uh, whether they're single, getting in a relationship, married. I mean, marriages too. I mean, I, I, I didn't see anything from a marriage standpoint. I know this is singles in America. Um, what, um, what are you finding? I'm sure you have some statistics there. What did it do to marriages? Did you think overall it strengthened um, or weakened marriages? It's going to do one or the other. They're not going to remain just the way they were. You know, I was doing actually a podcast with a guy who is a divorce lawyer 
And he said, they're really coming into his office, the people who are wanting to, to divorce. But what we don't hear about are all the marriages that uh, people realized, oh, wow, he's so cool. I never knew what he did all day at work. And now I do because he's down in the basement. I can he's hear him home. doing it. <laughs> uh, and, you know, so I, I think that, I mean, this is going to, it's a reckoning for everybody. If you're in an absolutely dreadful relationship, it's going to be your time to go. If you are in a mediocre relationship, it's gonna be your time to think carefully about this. And if you're in a very good solid one, you're gonna do it even more. So I got married in the middle of this pandemic, so. <laughs> I did not know that, congratulations. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. yeah, in a field in Montana. I mean, you know, uh, um, but, uh, and I'm old too. And uh, it, was, yeah, it was absolutely great. Well, it's amazing when you get married. You know, we then went on a two week honeymoon all through, oh, South Dakota and other parts of that part of the world. Everywhere, people are so nice to you when you just say, oh, I'm on my honeymoon. They rush out and give you drinks and presents. And <laughs> <laughs> so I do think that it was a great reckoning for everybody. We don't have any good data yet on how many people reconfirm their long-term partnership because that's not the kind of thing, data, that's data that's hard to collect. Right. And of course, uh, with Match, we only study singles. But what's interesting about this is these singles are one third, just about one third of the American population. So it's a lot of people. And I think one of the one of the things that I'm really excited about that they've done is um, they've done more and more of this video chatting, which yeah. you would expect. I mean, what else are you gonna do uh, when you're stuck at home? But one out of five started uh, video chatting with people. And, um, uh, and of course there's a lot of singles who aren't looking for anybody. So there's a lot of people try, trying a new courtship uh, uh, thing. It's a new uh, courtship phase, and I'm really excited about that because we've got quite a bit of data now that on these video chats, they have more meaningful conversations. Uh, I think I've mentioned this thing. Uh, they've got more self-disclosure. Um, they've got more honesty. Uh, they're spending more time getting to know somebody. They care less about uh, good looks and more about financial stability. So it's a wonderful state. And they're also vetting you during these um, um, video chats. Uh, and so I think we're going to have fewer first dates mm -hmm. because people are going to meet before that and say, ah, I don't think so. Or they're going to say, oh, this is really cool. So I think that we're going to have fewer first dates, but they're going to be more meaningful first dates. People are going to say, oh, wow, yeah, I wouldn't mind kissing her. I wouldn't mind kissing him. Oh, yeah, let's go to a fancier place for a drink or dinner or whatever. So I think they're going to be much more comfortable first dates. And as a matter of fact, we asked people, you know, about uh, video dating and, and way over 50% said, yes, it makes the first date more comfortable. But even, even better, um, over 75%, 78% of singles said that during a video, um, they, they could feel some romantic chemistry. And 34% said, sure, they felt that they could fall in love, which doesn't surprise me. I mean, I put people in brain scanners. This is a brain, romantic love is a brain system. It can be triggered just like fear or anger or joy or surprise. And it can certainly be triggered during a video day. So courtship didn't end with the pandemic. Nope, um, you know, Cupid won. 
COVID one, COVID zero. It's, I know it's great. I mean, if we're, the, the end result ended up being really, really good. I know, uh, I know during COVID when people couldn't meet, they were video dating for a while, but then when they couldn't actually meet up in person, um, it, there was a lot of things that fell off. So it was, it was just one of those times where it's like, you need to be celibate. <laughs> you need to, you know, you you had no choice but to focus on yourself and to and and to to put that time and energy into yourself, which was which turned out to be a really good thing. Uh, you know, um, in regards to that, I I do talk to a lot of people that do that video dating now. A lot of people are screening if they meet them online. They're screening them through FaceTime or Zoom, which I love. I mean, I think, I mean, from the standpoint of a first date, and you know people that date a lot of people and you guys that are spending a lot of money on these first dates, what a great way, what a great thing to do. I mean, to see, because they say people fool you with pictures and things and put old pictures. What a great way to screen somebody and see, number one, like you said, people can actually feel chemistry if there is chemistry, but you can actually see who that person is. You can hear how they talk. You can see if there's, you know, what their energy is like, if that's going to match. Um, <clears throat> not everybody does great on video though. Oh, I know. In fact, I'm looking at myself right now, and I'm completely blush. <laughs> I'm not generally this color. <laughs> I, did I, I sleep I, last I night? <laughs> but anyway, um, absolutely. They and what you know, one thing that's really interesting about these video dates is that um, they are really picky about your background. Now, I forgot to put that other light on back there, but the bottom line is, um, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, if you're going to video date, you know, make sure you got a decent shirt on and. You know, combed your hair and uh, and got a decent background, so that uh, you know. The, I mean, you know, we when you start to get to know somebody, you know so little about them. Yes, that uh, you uh, over respond to just a few basic things. You know, suddenly they like dogs and you like cats. Oh, well, that's no good. They'll say, or you know, or oh, he's got brown shoes. I don't think so. You know, and, and that's one of the things that I say. You know, there's so little data. That you over, uh, you know, that you pounce on 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 various tiny little things. That if you were to get to know somebody for weeks or months, you know, in your social circle, you wouldn't think twice about those things. So one of the things that I say with video dating, any kind of dating, you know, think of reasons to say yes. Thank you. Overlook the tiny little things and get to know them better. Thank you. You know, I just posted about that the other day. I do post on Facebook every day, and that was the one thing I said is that. People go on a first date and they're looking for what's wrong with somebody. You know, oh, they uh, always, they'll find the one thing. They could be perfectly great, but they'll find the one thing. And as a matchmaker, I end up hearing, you know, I'll hear the feedback and they'll find the one thing and that's what they're going to tell me what's wrong with them. And I always have to lead people back. Well, tell me what was good. Tell me what was right. And, and if we could flip that story when we go on a date What's right with that person? What do you like about them? Don't turn them into your husband or wife sitting across the table. Just get to know them and find the things that you like. If you like their energy, if you like their positivity, if you like that they are family oriented, you like the fact that they listen to you, um, you like the fact that they were, you know, happy and they were kind to everybody that came to the table. Like, what were all the things that you liked about them? And that's a that's a shift, Helen. I mean, right. you just said it, and I I feel confirmed that that is something that my, that's going on everywhere because it, to me, 
people, that's where people go wrong is they don't give somebody a second date um, or a third date. They're dismissing them for stupid things. Very, very stupid things. I mean, it's just, uh, um, yeah, we we have to train ourselves to, by the way, there's a huge brain region linked with um, uh, what we call in science negativity bias. Uh, We remember the negative. And that comes from millions of years of human evolution. I mean, for millions of years, it was nice to remember who your friends were, but if you forgot who hated you, uh, you, you might die. So the bottom line is the brain is built to remember the negative. Mm-hmm. And you know, you can go to a party and everybody's so nice, et cetera. And then one person says, did you gain a little weight? What do you do? You go home, that's all you remember. <laughs> yeah. uh, so uh, in fact, I was, you know, just exactly what you said, Jennifer, there's a young guy in my bridge group. We play bridge on Sunday nights. And and uh, he went out with a girl last Friday night. And he said to me, he said, I don't think it's going to last. They had a wonderful time together, you, you know, et cetera. Uh, but he said, you know, I don't think I'm going to do this, think about this long term. I said, well, why not? And he said, because she repeated it, um, the the punch, punchline of a, do- a joke three times. Give him a, give her a break, man. <laughs> Maybe it was loud in there. Maybe she'd had a little too much to drink. I mean, I don't know, but uh, you've got to think of reasons to say yes. We're fighting for life's greatest prize. We are looking for life's greatest prize, which is a mating partner. So no wonder we're picky. Uh, it's adaptive to pick the right person. We all know that, but you've got to give people a chance. You've got to go out with them. And by the way, men are much more willing to go out on a second date with somebody if the first date is is not very exciting. It's women who are the really picky sex. That's interesting. Um, can you elaborate on what that means? Like when you say it's not exciting, because I, I hear from people, both men and women, that there wasn't, and you're right on this though, the women are the, are the first to say, I didn't really feel any chemistry. And they're the ones unwilling after that to go on a date because they didn't feel chemistry. Uh, is, is that what you're talking about? Excitement? Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah. and men will, um, men are more likely to, to give it another try. Uh, you know, men are much more flexible than women for good Darwinian evolutionary reasons. I mean, I mean, women not only get pregnant, but they've got to carry the child for nine months and then uh, delivery. And, you know, uh, uh, women spend much more time with children under the age of four than men do and have for millions of years. So they are pickier. We've seen this every, I've been with doing this study with Match uh, Singles in America for 11 years. We got data on 55,000 singles, um, probably the biggest uh, uh, study of singles in America and maybe the world, Mm -hmm. probably the world. And uh, over and over and over, uh, women are uh, less flexible about your ethnicity, about your religion, uh, about your age. Um, Over 80% of men will go out with a woman who is considerably better educated, considerably makes considerably more money, uh, and is considerably more intellectual. Women, women, you know, women, <laughs> women are the picky sex for good evolutionary reasons. There's nothing wrong with being picky until you get so picky that you end up on Christmas Eve by yourself. Right, right. Yeah. I mean, discerning's good, but you also have to know what your you have to know what's important to you. You have to know what your non-negotiables are. And and I always tell people that we need to look at the deeper things. And maybe you can talk to this a little bit as well. But 
You know, I find as a matchmaker that when I match people up, yes, there does need to be an equally yoke factor in regards to looks. I mean, equally yoked. Sure, sure. But that it's that lifestyle, background, values. How do they spend their time? Like if somebody's a real outdoorsy, active, likes to go hiking, and the other person is a, is a couch potato, almost instantly that's that that whole deal is not going to work. If somebody's very family oriented and has huge uh, family values and puts their family as a priority, and somebody doesn't, those those values are a big deal breaker. So. For me, I find that I have the most success with matching people when I'm able to match them on those elements of that, this, like you talk about stability and, and security and safety and, um, and, you know, that whole idea of finding somebody that, that loves the same way you love. And I do kind of want to get into to something that you research you've done, but that whole idea of, and it's not just the love languages, but, you know, if you're a time spent person, like if you like to spend, if that's your, if that's what makes you happy is spending time with your person and that's what makes you feel loved. If you found somebody that naturally liked that too, that they loved spending time with you and they were setting dates up and set it, making plans with you, it would make you feel valued and loved and it makes that whole courting process a little just easier um, and you know, things fall yeah. into place a little bit more. You know, that, you know you've got something big time there, you know, uh, as you have for a <laughs> long here. But anyway, the bottom line is, for the last 11 years, we've always asked, every single year we ask the question, what do you want? Uh, and every year until this year, uh, every single year, one of the top five things was somebody who spends enough time with me. They wow. singles have, and I think that will come back. Uh, right now they want stability so badly that that's down the list. But uh, uh, people want somebody who spends some time with you. I want to go back to one thing and then go on to something about personality and who we're drawn to. But, um, you know, People will look at somebody and say, well, maybe I, I don't want to, maybe he won't be good down the road, maybe this. And you know, what I said to my man before we got married, I said, let's do this one day at a time. Do you want to be here today? Is this good for you today? You know, one day at a time. I mean, so many people wrap it up into something like, oh, 25 years from now, oh, it's not going to be nice to my my brother-in-law, this and that. But forget it. Amen. I, how is today going? <laughs> You know? Yes. Amen, um, Helen. Amen. Yes. The people are getting married before they even ha get done with their first date, day exactly. by day. I love that. And by the way, men uh, men do it more than women do. Wow. Uh, men are much more inclined on the first date than women to think, oh, well, this would be the right one for me. And that's a little different from one day at a time. But uh, uh, yeah, men make up their mind uh, actually faster than women. But I want to go back to what you said about the way of matching. You know, um, the academic data is that we do tend to be drawn to people who are from the same socioeconomic, uh, socioeconomic and ethnic background, uh, people of the same general level of education and, and, and good looks, um, as somebody who has the same religious and social values, as you mentioned, mm -hmm. somebody who has the same economic and reproductive goals. That seems to be across the board. There's always variations, but that seems to be uh, generally. Uh, your childhood always plays a role. But that's only half of who we are. The second half is your basic biological personality style. 
and this is something else that I did with Match. I now I, I created a questionnaire um, that's now been taken by over, I think, 15 million people in 40 countries. And as it turns out, uh, okay, you got somebody from the same bath background, same level of education, good looks, et cetera. But you can walk into a room and they, they're all from your background and, and you don't fall in love with all of them. So I began to wonder, could basic body chemistry draw you naturally to one person rather than another? And I was able to find, do you know this uh, research, Jennifer, that uh, were you aware of this stuff that I did or? Uh, yeah. And I was looking, I actually was, I'm so glad you're going into it because I was reading up on it, but yes, I, I am familiar with it. Yes. Mm -hmm. Did you take the questionnaire yourself? I didn't. Ever? I did not. I can tell you. I bet I, I, bet I can tell you what you are. But anyway, the bottom line is, <laughs> I'm sure you got it. Turns out, uh, you know, we've evolved four very broad styles, mm -hmm. styles of thinking and behaving, linked with the dopamine, serotonin, testosterone, and estrogen system. This is basic biology. I studied the brain. Um, not making it up. And people are very high on the dopamine scale. There's a, a group of traits that are linked with dopamine. And I call these people explorers. They tend to be novelty seeking, risk taking, curious, creative, spontaneous, energetic, mentally flexible. And they're drawn to people like themselves. Explorers go for explorers. If you're very high on the serotonin scale, I call these people builders. They're traditional, conventional, follow the rules, respect authority, detail-oriented, tend to be more religious, um, tend to be very loyal. They're also drawn to people like themselves. So somebody like Mike Pence is a good example, or Mitt Romney. People who are very high on the testosterone scale, I call them directors, are very drawn to their opposite. People who are high on the negotiator or the estrogen scale. So of the high testosterone people tend to be analytical, logical, direct, decisive, uh, tough-minded, good at things like math, engineering, computers, etc. They are drawn to high estrogen negotiators, people who are, oh, very good people skills, verbal skills, uh, compassionate, trusting, see the big picture, uh, mentally flexible, imaginative, intuitive, etc. But we are all a combination of all of them, but we have personalities and we express some of the traits in each of these systems more than others. So for example, me, I'm very high on the dopamine scale. Uh, I mean, I write books and make speeches and that's risk-taking and novelty-seeking, et cetera, and create, requires some creativity. Um, and I'm also high on the very on the estrogen scale. I, I, I cry at a parade, it's disgusting, but I, I'm very high on the estrogen scale. My new husband is also high on dopamine, just like me. Uh, so that's adaptive. Uh, dopamine goes for dopamine. He's higher on the testosterone scale and I'm higher on the estrogen scale. Uh, so that also works very well. But he's higher on the serotonin scale than I am. And that's where there could be conflict or there could be great uh, understanding. Now, for example, um, we were going to the uh, movies, it was a few years ago. And I said to him, I said, sweetie, uh, do you have any water in your backpack? And he said, yes, I do. And I said, well, oh, we can drink it in the movie house. And he said, no, we can't. You can't bring food or drink into a movie house. <laughs> you have to buy it at the concession stand. Well, I dawned on me uh, to, uh, to uh, uh, follow that particular rule. Um, but I figure, 
I mean, what's beautiful about this is that sometimes when somebody is just who they are, it's not about you. It's who they are. Rather than going to a therapist for 15 years and understanding everything about your childhood, which is fine under some circumstances, you can just do a workaround. Right. And as I said, you know, okay, we'll buy the water at the concession stand. Works for me. <laughs> yeah. Pick your battles, right? Pick your battles. You know, um, all of this is on her website on HelenFisher.com. Uh, the, all the, and can they take the quiz on there as well? On the website? I didn't put it on because I, I, maybe I should. Um, it's in all of my books. But it's on my other website, theanatomyoflove.com. The anatomyoflove.com. Uh, uh, listen, I want to tell you guys something. I, I mean, if, if it, I'm a, such a geek with science, I love it, and research. Uh, her books are amazing. I mean, they're they're so good. I, I know I have a very educated audience, Helen. I think I... I had mentioned that, and I will brag on you guys. You guys are incredible, um, smart, successful, and um, and enlightened. Um, they're they're just they're they're a good audience. I think you guys would love these books. I mean, the more we've talked about five love languages, we talked about attachment styles. Everything has their little tiny place in the piece of the puzzle. Nothing's like it, it, it total exact. But like you said, when you when you that's that's the thing I always talk about with people, and here's where your personality thing comes in, because when you understand people's different personalities, what people do is they say, well, you know, I haven't talked to him all day. He hasn't texted me or called me, and I know he's traveling, but look, he could take two seconds and text me because that's what I would do. And people so often run their their partner through their own filter. Well, I would do this, or I would say this, or I wouldn't say this, or I wouldn't do this. And this is where tools like this can help you guys watching, guys and gals, um, where tools like this can help you because it helps you understand somebody else. I mean, they've got 30, 40, 50, 60 years of of, of experiences and knowledge and, and everything and beliefs that are different than yours, possibly. There may be places where you intersect, but not every place is going to. And it gives you an opportunity to learn from them and grow together when you can respect the differences, but also not expect them to be you and to respond and react the way you would react in particular situations. Jennifer, I'd give you a hug if I were there. It's just so smart. You know, I am, I long ago, it was a particular moment that I suddenly realized I don't believe in the golden rule, do unto others as you would have done unto yourself. I believe in the platinum rule, do unto others as they would have done unto themselves. And you can get into their heart and, and win. And that's exactly what you just said. Wow. Realize that, okay, just because I would have texted him, in my spare moment, doesn't mean that 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 that's what he's going to do, and it doesn't mean that he doesn't love me. Yeah, I mean, they've now put a value judgment on the fact that the guy didn't do the text. Exactly, and uh, and in fact, it might have nothing to do. It didn't even dawn on him. As a matter of fact, his last girlfriend may be may have been the may have been the kind of person who said, "Please don't text on the road." <laughs> yes. no. I know. You know? I know. I, it's funny because I'll get these. I'll get people. I mean, out of divorces and such, and. And there's that joke that I always have, well, no wonder they divorce, you know, they don't know how to, you know, communicate <laughs> or whatever. And they can be taught, though. I mean, people can be taught because some, like you just said, though, maybe in their marriage, and that's why marriages sometimes end, maybe in their marriage, they didn't communicate. Maybe that wasn't encouraged. So that person doesn't know what you like. They can't read your mind. And so it's so important 
to be able to step into their shoes and not judge them. To listen without judgment is such it's such a key thing. I mean, it's so, it's such a learned thing, but it's right. it's so key when you're getting to know somebody to get to know them, not running. It's not about running it through your filter and how do I feel about this and what does this mean to me? It's like it gives you a glimpse into them and their life and in who they are and what experiences they've had. And just as Helen said, if you can step, what does that mean to them? If you can step into their world, it goes, I mean, that's where... That's what a, that's what relationships are about is a connection and everybody's looking for a connection and right. it doesn't matter where it comes from. But if you get somebody, if, if, you, if they feel listened to and understood and accepted, that goes a really long way into building a relationship with them. Absolutely. You know, and the other thing is there's something called the, um, what is it? Fundamental attribution error, error. Um, it is an example. Uh, somebody's late. They're really late. And you have this knee-jerk reaction of, oh, he's selfish. Why couldn't he possibly, you know, I mean, get, you know, why can't he? Do? Instead of saying, oh, maybe there was a big traffic jam. Uh, maybe his mother died. You know, uh, maybe his boss called and kept him on the phone too long. In other words, blaming, immediately blaming somebody when in fact it, it may well have been some other thing than, than their character. I and love that. You know, yeah, and we have to remember, and I find myself doing it too, and then saying, hang on, Helen, uh, it might not be that way. You know, it's hard to climb out of yourself, but, uh, and, and get, but you know, women, the high estrogen negotiator type is very good at it. Uh, they are the, really the best at uh, reading people, reading posture, gesture, tone of voice, uh, uh, and, and compassion. The high testosterone is not actually very good, generally speaking, now there's always kinds of exceptions, uh, uh, at reading posture, gesture, tone of voice. You've got to be quite clear with some people. Most people want to please. They, right. they, they want Especially to Especially men. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, you got to uh, sometimes, I think that's why the evolution of women, you know, uh, of uh, uh, tears. I mean, women cry more than men. I think it may have evolved millions of years ago as a signaling device. You know, things aren't going too well here, kid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I uh, I love your comment. I mean, I just have to can that one. That's really hard to climb out of yourself. Yeah, um, that's that's. I mean, it's perfect because, and I think women do it more than men. They get in their heads, you know, and and want to process and analyze something they know nothing about. Somebody does something or says something, and it turns into something else in the brain based on experiences and beliefs and all of that. And that hurts things too. I mean, a lot of times, like you I'd said- I'd say that men though are, are, are you know, uh, uh, not much worse. I mean, I would think that both sexes are gonna have a hard time getting out of their own head. Got it. Um, okay, I'm not gonna blame you women. Helen's saved you. <laughs> Although that's what I tend to find, but yes. Um, okay, so uh, so uh, let's see here. Uh, Jerry Ann, it's the ebb and flow that will bring togetherness and commitment um, if we can relax and let it. Absolutely. People are always in a rush. And I think, I think that is such a, if we've learned anything today, you know, it, it, with the research, people are taking their time to get to know people. They're looking for deeper things. Um, they want 
more, there's more substance to what they're looking for, that's going to take time. So we've got to get over this initial, there's chemistry or there's not chemistry kind of thing, even though statistically it looks like we are. Um, in real life, we really have to put that away and understand because it happens. I mean, it happens. We've all been attracted to somebody right away. The chemistry's there, and boom, those aren't always the best. Uh, those aren't always the best things to happen. The best relationships, and then there's the ones that creep up on you. That you know, you're with a friend, and you know it's great, and they're your best friend, and then they kiss you, or something happens, and you're like, whoa, there it is. It's here, and uh, so they can't. It can't surprise you. You know, it's just wonderful the way you say that because, you know, we've evolved three distinctly different brain systems for mating and reproduction. One is the sex drive, second is feelings of intense romantic love, and the third is feelings of deep attachment. And they're not phases, they're brain systems. And just like you said, you can have a deep attachment to somebody in school, at work, in your social circle, times change, something happens, and all of a sudden, you know, that feeling of attachment and then boom, uh, romantic love triggers and you, you suddenly are madly in love with them after years of just knowing them as a friend. Or you start out having sex with them, then you fall in love, then you feel attached. Or you start, you fall madly in love with them, and then you have, uh, you know, find them sexually attractive, and then you attach with them. So the three different brain systems, sex drive, romantic love, and feelings of attachment. And with me, you know, actually getting married, really, I, you know, here I am in my 70s, and I and I really have learned so much just from, from this marriage. Um, I mean, I started out as just friends with this. I thought he was very cool, but he was a big time journalist and there was no way I was gonna put the make on him. And we started out as really just friends. And the romantic love after seven years is power, more powerful today than, than at first. I'll walk down the street and check to see if he's texted me or, you know, you know, wonder what he's doing today or I mean, my heart will even so begin to throb. So the bottom line is, is that the attachment? Is that the attachment love that you were talking about? That's the romantic love. The romantic, I mean, okay, got romantic it. love is linked with that obsessive thinking, the, you know, the, the craving, the obsession, the focus, the motivation, um, uh, for the person. Attachment is a sense of calm. You know, the, the, the brain system associated with romantic love is driven by dopamine. That's what gives you the energy, the focus, the motivation, uh, the craving. It's a drive. That brain uh, system for romantic love lies way at the base of the brain uh, linked with drive. Matter of fact, it lies right next to the brain factory linked with thirst and hunger. Wow. Thirst and hunger keep you alive today. Romantic love drives you to overlook a lot of things mm -hmm. and focus on somebody uh, and send your DNA into tomorrow. So it's a survival mechanism that evolved millions of years ago and it will continue to be with us. You know, and, and attachment is a different brain system um, uh, linked with um, not dopamine, but with oxytocin and other chemicals. And then the sex drive is linked with the testosterone. So the three different systems and Alas, you know, we can feel deeply attached to one person while we feel romantic love for somebody else, while we feel the sex drive under different circumstances. So they don't always go together, but generally they do. Yeah. You know, and that's one of the reasons that casual sex is not casual, because if you start climbing into bed with somebody, any stimulation of the genitals will drive up the dopamine system and can push you over that threshold into falling in love. And with um, orgasm, there's a real thought of, 
oxytocin uh, linked with feelings of attachment. So, uh, you know, casual sex is not casual. Uh, and uh, in fact, we asked, I've asked, uh, you know, have you ever, in our Singles in America study, have you ever, you know, going to bed with somebody, you know, just assuming there was going to be nothing and ended up uh, in a long-term committed relationship with them. And something like 35% of people said yes. Uh, so these are powerful brain systems. They evolved millions of years ago. And it was interesting, you know, Jennifer, in the very beginning, you said you had a conservative audience. And I, I wanted to say, when it comes to love, I think everybody's conservative. This, these are powerful brain systems. Everybody feels it. Everybody wants to get it right. Exactly what they're looking for in a partner is going to vary from one person to another. But we share this brain system for, with every living creature. And we all basically want the same things. And by the way, you know, um, uh, um, uh, uh, good partnerships are, are, are good for your health. I mean, uh, they're not only good for mood and, and memory. And, you know, as you hug somebody, you're driving up oxytocin giving feelings of attachment as you laugh with them, you're driving up dopamine, giving energy and optimism and focus and motivation. They're very good for brain growth um, when you play with your partner. And in fact, there's new data that, um, um, well, that we can, that people in good partnerships live um, five to even 10 years longer. Wow. Uh, and in fact, this article came out in the last few months, that if you're in a good relationship, it slows down the aging process. Wow. So there's a reason that we're, we're, we're all motivated. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and we're going to find it. If you try it all, you're going to find it. I mean, it, it is take, take some work. But uh, as I say, we're looking for life's greatest prize. It's, it's, worth, the, uh, it's worth the effort. I love it. You know, I, I could listen to you talk all day. I mean, I, I literally at match, I think we had you for a couple hours and it's just, there's never a moment where I'm not like fully engaged in this conversation. Uh, she has uh, so much information, books on her website, um, any, anywhere, any other tools that you might, um, where would you guide somebody if they're if they're watching and they want to know more about these personality styles and the different um, brains and in, in love, where where would you send them? I think uh, I, uh, my book, Why Him, Why Her, um, it really explains it. Uh, why Him, Why Her, um, uh, and and then all, and it's got the questionnaire in it. You can just take that. Perfect. Also, my most recent book, uh, Anatomy of Love, has the questionnaire in it. But uh, if you want to focus just on the uh, personality styles, I would read the book. Uh, uh, why him? Why her? I don't know what it costs. It probably costs um, six dollars or something on Amazon. They get another paper bag. It's small enough to stuff into your purse or give to a friend. Uh, but um, it really helped me. I mean, it really helped me understand more about me, and really helped me understand my own um, partnerships. Right. With friends, actually, uh, with business people, mm -hmm. uh, and with my beloved. Boy. Yeah, you know, I always say when you work on yourself and you get healthier, every relationship in your life changes. So, you know, you're making a major shift. Everything looks different, feels different, and changes in your life. I mean, as a as a coach, I've I've watched people. I mean, it's 
You know, they come to me for that transformation in their love life, but everything, their, all their relationships, their family relationships, their work relationships, I mean, everything flourishes and gets better. So, um, so it, it definitely, these are, this is an audience that likes to invest in themselves. So, you know, Helen, I, uh, I, I just, I think you're a genius. I hope you keep doing this for many, many years to come. Uh, it, the, your research and science, it's, it's, inc it's incredible. I mean, it, it really, if people, I sit here every week and I talk to you about relationships and, and love and, and the ways to do things. And Helen has all the science to back it up, which I love. And it, and it's our bodies. It's not just science. It's how we think. I mean, this is chemistry. This is our brains. So it's, it, it's, it's who we are, whether we want to deny it or not. So, um, so I would say get the tools, uh, Helen, thank you so much for joining us today. I mean, what a treat this was for, for all of us, especially um, especially me. I love hearing that love is, is, love is making a comeback. True love is making a comeback. <laughs> Romance is making a comeback. Courting is making a comeback. And that's, that's you know, that's, that is music to all of your ears. So, uh, so everybody, thank you for being here. Jamie, Jim, Cindy, Jasmine, all of you, thank you for being here. Helen. You're the bomb. Thank you. You are a charmer, kid. Thank you. <laughs> and happy Thanksgiving. All right. Have a great weekend. Happy Thanksgiving. It is that time of year again. That's right. Holiday happiness starts with 20% off all neurotoxins from Adine Kingston Cosmetic and Medical Dermatology. If you book now between November 1st and December 31st, that's right. You can get 20% off all neurotoxins from Adine Kingston, MD, Cosmetic and Medical Dermatology. Please call 469-388-0474. That's 469-388-0474 to book your appointment today. This is Jennifer. Thanks for listening today. And please subscribe to the podcast. Every single week we'll have new information. And if you'd like to find out more information or if you have any questions, please go to my website at lovegen.com or you can find me on Facebook at my personal page, Jennifer Styers.